We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Close the damn door, man. You're letting all the Wi-Fi out. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Sweet Home Farm Granola. I can't get enough of it. It comes in three flavors from what I can tell. Honey nut, maple bacon, and my personal favorite French vanilla. Put a handful of that on top of some yogurt. Drop in some berries. You got yourself the best parfait in town. Word of the day. Today's word of the day is going to be a Donatology. Donatology is a religion where the followers worship big, curvy women's butts. It was founded by, no, not Sir Mix-a-Lot, but King Adonis. <laughs> then, in 1996, King Adonis was visited by three heavenly beings, Jesus Christ, the angel Elishamel, and Isa Elohim, a goddess with a curvaceous posterior. They told him to form a religion for Calipesian, which means having well-shaped buttocks, women, for they would come into social power at the turn of the century. King Adonis even commissioned the twerk praise dance is one of the official dances of worship during the praise service at the Church of Adonidology. Twerk praise dance is a stress reliever for women with curvy bottoms. Twerk praise dance is the act of twerking to spiritual positive music. Becoming an Adonidologist is free, but membership into the faith is not cheap. An annual membership will run you $250 per person or... You can choose the bargain of a lifetime membership for $3,000. So now, my friends, you know all about the word of the day, Adonidology. They like big butts, and they cannot lie. That's what's up. <laughs> so where where did this originate again, and what year? I would just want to get the facts out there. It's Jan- it was on January 3rd, 1996, he was visited by these three heavenly beings. Okay, um, so the they, heavenly beings thing is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, Angel Elishamel, and this big-butted uh, goddess, Isa Elohim. Um, I've never heard of her before. Um, I didn't see her in that movie, The Ten Commandments, but uh, maybe she was somewhere in the back. I don't know. She was uh, a gal that told the other gal to cut Samson's hair. There you uh, go. She uh, was the in funny the thing about twerking. You know, Isha Elohim, or El Elohim, the third angel, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I've heard the term Elohim in reference on the fantabulous show ancient aliens as uh, one as one of the uh, alien sects either that or it's a reference in the bible that also references aliens i don't remember which one i I get my ancient aliens and my bible confused because i'm so deep into both of them wow wow <laughs> thousand churches in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, the Middle East. They plan on now. I don't know if they already have it or they plan on having twenty million followers. Ooh, I mean that's your average Instagram. You, uh, you know that that's uh, twenty million followers. So they're underperforming. Is basically yeah, it, they've ba- created yes. the perfect religion where you're going to praise a big booty, and yet they're underperforming. I don't know why this doesn't have more traction. Yeah. Well, he, just, he has a Bible he wrote, the book of Adonidology. It's on Amazon, and it's oh. sold out. It's sold, sold out. out. How is that sold out? <laughs> if you want to use copy, it was running, when I looked, about 400 bucks. Get out. What? I'm not joking. Shut That's... the front door. 
That is one sticky book. It's not on Kindle. Yeah, there you go. Does it come? It, does it come in, in? Does it come in? Uh, in, in kind of picture form and and also braille. Ooh, in braille. <laughs> How do they symbolize big butts in braille? Yes. Oh it's, my goodness! It's just a big curve, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a curve, and then you know the spine is the crack. You know, you. Yikes! Yeah. Yikes! Adana Dollar, Adana Anonymous, what? Adonitology. Adonitology. Adonit. We're about to open up a sect here in uh, the the beautiful town of Houston. We've got three bishops on the radio right now, and we're just gonna start our franchise and kind of see where this thing goes. As luck would have it, Saturn and Mercury will line up here, which hasn't happened in the last 800 years. So us three bishops or wise men could find someone twerking in the streets in a, uh, what is that thing called where the... A uh, a strip club, right? So we find our (laughs) very first uh, uh, Adonidologist uh, performing and make it clap to uh, bring in the alignment of said planets. And while we're there, we'll probably see James Harden. So all's good. Yes. Apparently he He, won't be playing with the Rockets, so... (laughs) <laughs> I don't, he'll you know, be I don't, the, he'll be the jumper boy that brought the gift. I don't yeah. know what to I don't know what to make that. I don't know if it's one of those things where he's just kind of being stubborn, but he's really going to play, or if he's actually telling the team you need to trade me. I haven't really. No one has been able to confirm either way. He's always kind of been an enigmatic kind of oddball character, kind of doing his own thing, uh, much like Barkley did, much like Dennis did. Um, but maybe it is the end of the beard in Houston. We'll see uh, if he gets traded to the 76ers. That'll be interesting to watch their team implode. And they'll realize that if you're if if the beard is the best player on your team, you're not going to win a championship. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hold On, I'm Almost There. A show about life's little annoyances personal growth, dad life, and so much more. With your host, Frank, Shane, a.k.a. Gristle, and our newest host, Tom Mungia, still on the lookout for that a.k.a. So if you're listening, send us some recommendations. (laughs) So have a seat. Do them chores or twist a wrench while we dive down the rabbit hole. Today's theme is change. What triggers change and how do we get there? Um, So I've been reading a a book titled Being Wrong by Catherine Schultz. And... It, it has been really forcing me to learn to adapt in my mentality of my perception of things in that no one is ever right 100% of the time. And some people will die on the mound because they feel that they are right, even though they, they might be wrong to somebody else. 
uh, how do you how do you find your truth? What is it that puts you out on the search to to find the answer to that? And I think a lot of it has to do with being uh, adaptable and making sure that you are not dead set on a certain idea, which, you know, some people perfectly all right. If that's your thing, that's what you believe. You believe that. But if you believe, you know, if I sit here and tell you that the sky is gray um, and you tell me the sky is blue, well, one of us is technically right and the other one is wrong, but we see what we see and we're going to do what we do. Yeah, that's what's up. That's kind of an interesting way of, of going about looking at, you know, maybe how you interact with the outside world, uh, putting yourself in the other people's shoes, having empathy. And it, it boils down to, in a lot of ways, a, a simple phrase that I learned long ago, which is to assume positive intent. So when you assume positive intent on the other person, you're taking any potential malicious uh, concept in their brain for their actions or their words, and you're assuming they've got a valid reason for why they're doing or saying what they're doing or saying. And I think when you do that, it's the heightened, most heightened form of part of empathy and, and probably the most spiritual when it comes to uh, connecting with humanity. And I think what you're talking about there kind of falls right in line with that concept. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about seeking the truth. I think once you've come to that uh, point in your life where you, you are uh, actively seeking the truth, you're able to put your ego aside because I think it's our egos that make us determine that we're right no matter what. And once you are truly searching for the truth, you understand there's a possibility I'm wrong. And I, I want to know the truth. And we don't take it as a personal attack when someone has a different opinion or, or tries to enlighten us. You you want that. You want to know the truth. Um, if I'm in a disagreement with somebody or, for lack of a better word, argument with somebody, you'll they'll tell you, you know, you think you always know. You think you're always right. Well, yes, I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be defending my position. But I'm willing to accept that you're right. Let me know what's wrong about my opinion. You know. Enlighten me. I want to know the truth. And if I'm wrong, hey, I'll change my mind. Change my mind for me. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm for more of that middle of the road kind of conversation that we should be having in society these days versus the I'm right, you're wrong, no matter what you say, no matter what your justification or your facts or your or your bias. I'm against you. And uh, yeah, I think we need to take more. And we're just going down with our team no matter what. And that's right. Right. That's silly. The world isn't college football, folks. Right. Yeah. And it's so crazy how we've gotten to this point in in that, uh, you know, part of the book was talking about uh, Americans being very individualist. Uh, you know, everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone. Everybody wants to do their own thing. Uh, and so what we've built is a, a society of people that always have to be right to save face they have to be there's there's no way they could be wrong and they'll just fight tooth and nail to prove you wrong not to be right but to be able to say that they are better than the next person uh it's, it's a pretty interesting i think to your point in a weird way 
the way at least American society is right now is that everybody considers themselves their own brand, no matter what they're doing. Right. They might be, they might be, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 a dog hair clipper place. It doesn't really matter. Every individual with social media has the ability to be their own brand. And then, then you've got a nation of brands where you've got to buy into a brand. You associate with a brand, whether it's political, religious, you know, whether it's social, whatever the case may be, you've aligned yourself with this brand and you'll go down fighting with the dumb things that brand does. Yeah. Instead of reconsidering and thinking, okay, let's think long term. Let's think about other people. Let's think about the whole of society. Is this really a great way for our emotional economy to work? Yeah. And that's that's the other thing, too, is that uh, we don't know how to uh, kind of wade our way through these emotions. It's it's soft and hard in a in an instant. We don't that's know she how said. to go. <laughs> we don't know how to go. You know, we don't know how to find our way back uh, from, you know, go, seeing red whenever we have an argument with someone like uh, Tom was saying earlier, you know, help me, help me understand why you think the way you think, help me to see what it is that you see. But I can't do that. If your first instinct is defense mode and, and hooping and hollering whenever we're having a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, just the ability that we we need to develop to be able to put our ego aside. Uh, I heard a an awesome interview this morning, as a matter of fact. While I was telling you earlier, I was running around dropping people off. You were interviewing Jimbo Fisher, the Texas A&M football coach, on the radio, and he was talking about uh, players and and adjusting to his offensive strategy. And and the host asked him, you know, so what's your offensive strategy? And he said, you know, whichever strategy is going to win. He said, I'm not, <laughs> not married to one certain type. He goes, I have to look at my players, what they do best, and then work with that to to gain our success. He said, uh, the only thing that matters is winning, having your team and figuring out what's the best way we can win. Success is, is, is what we're after, not proving that my system is the best way or your system can't you know, uh, work. He says, I, I'm not – you know, married to one system, I'm married to finding a way that we're going to succeed. And, and lo- you have to put your ego aside. You, you Otherwise, your ego is going to ruin you. I love that because there are so many coaches that we've seen um, in Houston alone exactly. where it's all about the coach's system. Yes. And, that, and that's what matters. And then they go out and try and pick players that are going to fit into that system, whether it be football, which with O'Brien was a complex goat rodeo uh, of a sideshow and a funeral um, or, <laughs> or where there's uh, when Dia and Tony was here and it's like, okay, seven seconds or less, we got to repeat what we did when uh, I was losing with the sons The you know, that kind of, yeah. Yeah. You're trying to fit, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole, you know, no, you know, fit the square peg in a, you know, find a system where the square peg fits into a square hole. You know, either that or learn how to use a uh, a grinder or a file, make that thing fit wherever you need it. At I least mean, an abacus. Right, right. Stop limiting yourself to seeing shapes. Let's let's be a little more dynamic. At least that's what that's that that's what that guy sounds like he's trying to do. So 
uh, we've, we veered uh, way off topic to start off the entire show, which is awesome. No um, way. We're right on topic. We're man. right this on topic. Like, oh, absolutely. Are you going to segue this into some change? I, this, is, this is all about change right here. The fact that we are able to not talk over ourselves. We have learned we are adapting continuously. Uh, this is how I'm going to segue. You ready? One, two. So I was having a discussion today with a very good friend of mine. Uh, He started working with me about five years ago. And one of the questions that I like to ask is um, if you have the opportunity to hire. Well, I'm sorry. So you're you're a hiring manager. You have to hire one of two people. They are the last two people left on earth to hire. You are the person chosen to hire this this person. One of them is worthless and the other one is lazy. Who do you hire? And at the time, you know, this was five years ago, he said, man, I wouldn't hire either one of those guys. I was like, that's not a choice. That's not an option. You have to hire one of them. He's like, no, I just refuse altogether. And so today he's he's changed quite a bit. He's he's um, you know, he's moved up and through the ranks pretty quickly. He went from being just a desktop uh, desktop person. He moved into becoming a, a lead. He, he was a senior technical analyst. And now he's a project manager leading, you know, crazy projects out there doing a phenomenal job. But I asked him today, I was like, you remember that question that I asked you way back when? He's like, yeah, vaguely. He's like, yeah, I remember I said I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't uh, hire either one of them. Don't want that. So today he says, you know what? After after everything that I've seen and everything that I've been through, he says, I would hire the worthless person. And he said his perspective has changed a lot. And he would hire the worthless person because you can instill hope into a worthless person to provide value in their life if you're a good leader. And he thinks he's he, he's a good leader. And I think he's a good leader, too. He's got he's got really good. He's he's developed very good communication skills over the last few years. Um, and I was like, you know what? That's that's great. There's not really a right or a wrong answer. I just like to know what your thought process is on who you hire and how you hire them. And I told him, you know, um, it, 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 I told him that, you know, it doesn't really matter who you hire. It's all about how if you're willing to challenge yourself, how do you find that angle to figure out why someone was deemed worthless or how someone got tagged as lazy? Um, they're both a challenge. You have to find their strengths in order to build them. And if you do a good job as a leader, you turn them into a leader. You you build that that. um that relationship with that person. And if you do a good enough job, you you can change anybody's life in that way. So I like that. I like that analogy. Um, you're both wrong. Um, and, and not, not only you're both wrong, I can tell by both of your answers, you've never hired anyone and then had to suffer the consequences because I have, and I'm telling you, you get the lazy one every time. Lazy one over incompetent one every time. Oh, lazy and worthless. 
but worthless, I guess worthless yeah, is worthless incompetent. incompetent. Yeah. I was thinking about that while you were talking. What's worthless mean? Worthless means mm-hmm. they can't achieve their job. They can't perform the functions of their job. And the not so nice way to say that is incompetent. So you've got an incompetent person and you've got a lazy person. So as the manager or leader of a group of people, I've dealt with both. And the incompetent one is the worst one every time because you can try for years and years and years to train that person up to be competent. In fact, you beg and pray to baby Jesus that show me a way to make this person competent, just competent, not a rock star, not someone that's overachieving, just, just competent. And after years, when it doesn't happen, you realize you can't fix incompetence. Lazy, I can fix because that's called personality. And then you're dealing with motivation. And all you need to do is find out what motivates that person to have momentum. And once the momentum picks up, it's not as hard of a job for you to create that momentum. Lazy is easy to fix. Incompetent, impossible. Well, see, once again, that's that's change, right? Your ways may not have worked on that incompetent person or that worthless person, let's say, right? We'll so, say it's it was about eight different people's ways because I was a, of a management team with other management people that also tried to make this person competent. When I failed time and time again, I finally handed it off. I said, he's your problem. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny you mentioned that worthless. I've uh, one of my side jobs that I had, that exact term was used in uh, describing some people that were going to transfer to my shift and warned, uh, man, this guy, you know, he's worthless. I mean, he's going to be terrible. And I just kept an open mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a shot. I don't know why you're deeming this person to be worthless, what your definition of worthless is. I don't know. Maybe you caught him on a bad day. I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to give this guy a fair shot, and I'm telling you the – Two times in particular that I'm thinking of that I was told that about two different people, they ended up being two of my best workers. And, uh, you know, I just kept an open mind. Um, of course, there's certain things that they're not good at, right? With, like we were talking about earlier, but there was stuff they're great at. You yep. just focus on the great part, you know, have them do the great part. And we got along great. As a matter of fact, they became very good friends, as a matter of fact, because they were so good. Um but, you know, I do believe lazy people, too. You can find a way to motivate them. You can find something that makes them want to get up and go. And uh, it, it it does. It falls on you as a leader. And uh, I don't know if you can generally make them great leaders, but you can make them, uh, you know, an asset and a, a positive and something you can work with. I, I totally believe that. I love that. I love that concept, making them an asset. I, I dig that. And that's really what it's all about, right? Because you're you're building a team, and in order for your team to succeed, everyone you have to find their niche, right? So, if let's say this person, let's say we're in a sales environment, this person is terrible at sales. Let's say, okay, well, I, I've got to find something else for this guy. Well, this guy has a phenomenal knack for bagging everything that someone purchases and in doing so he accidentally sells them the uh you know the the little purchase bags that you can buy the reusable bags right 
just out of some some crazy thing. So now you've got someone that can sell these bags in a sales environment that couldn't sell, you know, a radio to save their life. But these bags, man, they're going out the door like mad um, because you you found a niche for this guy. All right, let's let's change gears here. I want to hear what y'all are considering for your New Year's resolution. Uh, we're talking about change. We're talking about self-improvement. Maybe we, uh, you know, we try not to hit as many dogs uh, getting out of the neighborhood, uh, which I did this week, which was not awesome. Um, maybe we want to get swole. Maybe we want to be vegan. Maybe we want to, you know, only stare at the sunlight for our food. Whatever the case may be. What is your <laughs> sunlight? What are you a plant? <laughs> no, it's a real thing. There's well, a sect of people. <laughs> There's a sect of people that stare at the sun and they think that it nourishes them. Um, These yeah. aren't the same ones that do the the anal sun tanning, is it? <laughs> uh, you know, I would think one goes with the other. If you're yeah. already staring I, at it, it's not a big deal to paint the uh, point the brown town at it. It's called perineum. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they sun tan their perineum or perineum. Perineum. I mean, they lay on their back with their legs spread open and they tan it. They tan mm. the taint. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I guess we've got a theme going on today with the donatology. And, I yeah. guess so, man. <laughs> but so, okay, so what are y'all's, um, if, you, if you've considered any, what have you considered for your New Year's resolution? Well, as of person, go ahead, Tom. Well, me personally, I just, I'm a continuation of the goals I've been working on. You know, we all, I'm always talking about the book I'm trying to get going. Um, by training, I want to eventually one day open a gym. Um, about ten years ago, I, I was uh, attempting to start my own workout shirt label. It was called Unsungwear. Um, I ended up letting that go. Uh, I'm terrible at at the business side of things. Uh, I realize that, but you know, with all the things that have been going on in my life lately, I said, you know what, that might be something to bring back to incorporate. You know, with the training, with the you know, hopefully a gym. Um, so those are all things that. I'm looking at as far as if you want to call quote unquote New Year's resolutions, but my biggest deal, and this is one of the things that really irks me, people always talk about New Year's resolutions and you know New Year, New Me, New You. I'm if you know something, something about yourself you need to change, some new goal that you want to get after. Why are you waiting? You know that that's the biggest problem that I see most people have. It's the procrastination. Why are you putting off what you can do today? You know, you can always do something. Take one step forward to reach your goal. You come January first, what's going to happen? Oh, I drank too much last night. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Then it's going to be again tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. And and with the New Year's resolutions, all we're doing is we're rationalizing why we're waiting. You know, this is you know, it's it's just more of the same. It's not a new year, new you. It's your same old self. Whatever it is that you're planning on doing January first, start today. Start tomorrow. You know, to, you know. We're recording. It's nine o'clock, and I start tomorrow. Take that first step. You know, I've said it before on here. It's the start that usually stops us. Take That's a right. Step a little step. A bunch of little steps can lead you a great distance. And by January first, you're going to be with so much momentum. You're going to be well on your way to crushing whatever goals you have for the new year. That's right. Start small. Just start with trimming your toenails. Let's start with that. Make your bed. You know. Pack yourself a lunch instead of buying Chick-fil-A. Get something healthy in there. I feel and then attacked. January. 
January 1st, <laughs> January 1st, you're on a good track. You've made some good choices. Good choices are exponential, man. Remember the 2190 rule. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that. No, what is that? It takes 21 days to start a new habit. 90 days to make it a lifestyle change. Um, <laughs> that's one of the things, uh, before I ever got in the fire department, in the early 90s, I worked at a truck parts place. Uh, it was about 10 employees there, and my boss was huge on that. 21 days, 21 days. He'd always be telling everybody, 21 days. He was, <laughs> he was into those books uh, by Zig Ziglar. and uh, Oh, you man. Know? I mean, he was big into these motivational things, it, and it would drive me nuts. It would drive everybody nuts. And he would have, uh, you mentioned the toenails. <laughs> he would have these classes about once every four months. And we, we'd have to show up after work and we'd have to listen to his little uh, speech that he, you know, he was so hyped reading his new books. And one of the classes he gave was how to dry yourself off after a shower. And you I think people could use that. You had to start by drying your toes first. That was what? the first thing you do. Yes. No. You put your foot up on the edge of the tub and you dry in between each toe. You got to get each toe nice and clean. And I mean, I'm just sitting there. You got to remember, I'm about like 19 years old listening to this speech and you know I want to go to the club and I'm sitting here listening about drying my toes and it's just driving me crazy right but I'll tell you what I took a shower before this show today I what do you think I dried first when I got out of that shower my the huevos <laughs> no <laughs> I you know those I, to me no, I start with the huevos, and then I go chest and back because the back's cold, and then I do the lower extremities. Especially in the winter time. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you if you're not drying off your your balls, then you you do not know how to uh, smuggle, you know, like uh, pigeon eggs at you know wherever <laughs> they need to go because those things need to stay warm. Tasty. Yeah, I my toes off first so I can step out of the shower, out of the wet environment, and then I go, you know, head, head, head you, down. So I don't know if you, I don't <laughs> know if you've been to a Walmart or a Target or even a Bed Bath and Beyond any time in the past ten years, but they've got, <clears throat> they've got this really cool thing you can get there. It's a, it's a mat, and it's usually you can get them. They're fuzzy, right? So they absorb water. And you just put that in front of your shower, and and so the mat takes care of the bottom part. And if you get it with the right texture, you can wiggle your toes and dry your toes. Oh no! And and, and my uh, slippers. We gotta get this on Shark Tank, man. That's a million dollar yeah. idea right there. Yeah, I yeah. Mean. But you you always start with the franks and beans, man. You yeah. always start with the franks and beans. For sure. Uh, have to. You have to. So There's no. So, so Frank, what's your uh, potential New Year's resolution? So, uh, like Tom, man, mine mine is a, a continuation of what I'm trying to do, and what I've been trying to do over the last few years is um, work on my communication skills, um, learning about the various uh, personality types, and understanding when someone becomes defensive immediately how to soften them up to to kind of you know work out the details so that I can help them faster and when I say help them I mean in in the work environment but I'm I'm trying to go outside of that as well into my everyday you know communication with my wife, communication with my kids. Um, a lot of times I I bring over 
uh, you know, my dad, I, I feel my dad in me a lot in that I, I do things that I remember my dad doing to me. Um, and I, I immediately stop myself and I, I have to take a deep breath and remember that as, as much as I learn from him, I don't want to repeat the things that made me, um, kind of have, have animosity towards him sometimes. And, you know, I, I get that, that I can't be my, my kid's best friend. I have to be, you know, a, a, a guiding, a guiding person to them. So I always make sure that I take what my dad taught me and I learn to use it in how I understand things now so that I can help my kids and so that I can help my marriage and so that I can help myself at work. And that, you know, I, I've been working on that probably for the last four, maybe five, six years. Um, I feel like I've made some pretty good headway. Um, and, you know, I just trying to keep on that. Um, also making sure I keep with my diet. Uh incredibly horrible, horrible thing happened to me. So I've been watching Moneyball a lot since it started showing on Netflix. And every time they get to that part where uh, they just have gone through the negotiation thing, uh, Brad Pitt eats a Twinkie. I'm like, dang, I want a Twinkie. It looks delicious. <laughs> well, I went to the store last Friday and I bought me a box of Twinkies because they do not sell those damn things in individuals. Bought one, ate it. Within five minutes, my palate was swollen. I I mean, I, I could feel crazy ridges in my palate. I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? My throat started hurting. I'm like, shit, did I just get COVID? Like, I went to the store. Does, does it happen this fast? You know, what's going on? <laughs> Sunday morning, my balls hurt like the dickens. I was in pain. Like, I could not put my legs together because I normally sleep on my side. Couldn't put my legs together. It, it, I to get up it hurt I was waddling a little bit I was like damn did I pull something like what's going on because I had done some yard work on Saturday you know what 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 happened Monday kind of the same thing it felt like I had you know pulled something I said shit so you know I called my doctor made an appointment and then I remembered well when I eat foods that are really heavy that have soy or that have, you know, some crazy ingredient in them that I'm allergic to, I get really bad pains in the lower part of my abdomen. And it has happened before. Like I've eaten pho and I've eaten um, like Chinese food, like right after my diagnosis. And I remember my balls hurting, but not on this level. I mean, it was like a whole, it was like someone had kicked me in the balls it hurts so much and i'm today is i guess what since friday it's been about four days it's finally going away to where like everything is almost back to normal so making sure that i don't do stupid stuff and and eat the things that i'm not supposed to eat so New you are station. you you are probably the only person in america that can contest to eat 
eat a sweet eat eat a sweet treat like that and then the next day have your balls hurt like that's got to be the weirdest connection you're from your mouth to your balls you are definitely a meat robot for amoeba <laughs> i looked it up online too other people that have um that uh, gluten allergy yeah they have that from time to time like i was i was man i was crazy googling things and just the inner workings of reddit and everywhere else you could think of i was i was reading about that stuff and i was just like oh well i just need to drink a ton of water to work it out of my system and wow. it's it's finally going away that's crazy that's well, crazy you ever eaten twinkies before yeah, but before I haven't eaten a Twinkie in about maybe four years. Oh. Like I, I just ever since I had had gotten the diagnosis with the whole soy thing, I just and I'm, I'm not really a sweet person. Like I don't like to eat sweets all that often. Um, so it, it wasn't really a thing for me. But damn it, that movie! I was like, man, I gotta have me a Twinkie. Maybe I can negotiate like that too. Shit. That's right. So I think uh, my New Year's resolution, and uh, this this speaks highly, highly to the procrastination and the procrastinator that I am in just about everything in life. Um, <clears throat> but I've got several projects here at the house that I need to be more proactive about <clears throat> um, that I've really just put off because life just gets busy. Man, you wake up, you go to the gym, you come back, you shower, you go to work, you come home, you got to make dinner for the kids or clean up the dishes and you got to mow the lawn. You got to do all this other stuff. <clears throat> Most of what I do is maintenance, right? So if I've got a big project like my uh, dinette area next to my kitchen that I had to tear off one of the walls because of an infestation, so I had to treat that and let it dry out, <clears throat> that was over well over a year ago. Uh, probably two years ago because we had to wait. They have a gestation period of something like 13 months. So we had Holy to wait and crap. Yeah. We had to wait and see if they came back. Um, they were like wood boring mites or some crap like that. And uh, so we had to just leave the whole thing exposed until we are sure that the infestation is gone, uh, which it is. But now I've got the project to not only patch that back up but we decided the other two walls of that area we're just going to take those off too and put up some beadboard and kind of have a different look in there so that's that's kind of a big project to overtake for a guy like me when like i said 90 percent of my effort goes into maintenance so my new year's resolution is to try and uh do some of those improvement tasks instead of just burying myself in maintenance tasks all the time hmm Hmm. I forgot what that quote was. Uh, I, you remember that guy that used to work with us, Tim? Yeah. He said, everyone loves to build things, but no one loves to do the maintenance. This is true. It is, it's very close to that. I'm ad-libbing there, but it, uh, it, was, it was an interesting quote. He was a good guy. His other quote I really liked is, if you don't do it right the first time, don't worry, you'll have another chance. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's still with us. I, I just talked to him for Veterans Day. I I text him every year and I uh, you know, tell him happy birthday and stuff. He was a he was a great mentor. I learned a lot from him. Good guy. Yeah. So change, why is it hard? 
When do we do it? When to not do it? Sometimes change isn't a good thing. Change for change's sake is not always a, a positive outcome. What are, your, what are y'all's thoughts about uh, the overall psychological concept of, uh, of change? Well, a lot of it is, well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fear of change and what the change entails. You know, how much work am I going to have to put into this change? You, you know, um, we can, sometimes we just don't want to put in the work. The effort just seems like too much for us. Uh, and and that alone, you know, is just too much of an obstacle for so many people. But you just have to realize anything you want in life, anything you want to achieve, it's going to take some work. And uh, and I just think a lot of that has to do with a not even laziness, but just the fear of the amount of effort that it's going to take to, to get to where you want to go. Agreed. <laughs> The crazy thing about that is that we are continuously changing, right? No matter you, – you say that we we fear change. It, it, no one – no human likes to go against the grain. Everyone wants to go with the flow. It's the easiest thing to do. But if you sit and think about it, every single day there is change involved in your life you do not do the exact same thing every single day when you drive to work you might have to take a different route because of traffic that's change you you adapt quickly but there are things that we see as having like you said putting in extra effort that effort is the the hardest part to overcome because then you're like, well, now I'm having to change who I am and what I do. Am I changing for myself or am I changing for someone else? Right. And I think, you know, like you said in the very beginning, too, that ego begins to show itself. And then it, it's a matter of what why am I actually doing this? What benefits do I have in changing? What benefits are there in not changing? It's just a crazy, crazy cycle that we've built in our minds. Um, and and we have to either learn to adapt or not. Yeah. Well, you know, in- just a habit, right? Yeah, yeah. Of habit, and we don't, and we build our own little comfort zone, and we don't like coming out of that comfort zone. And anything that intrudes in that, anything that makes us come out of that comfort zone, you know, we, we you know, that's stuff we do not like. You know, I think, I think, uh, it might be a human nature, uh, to cause us to not want to change. And I, and I mean it in this way our entire society throughout. The history of mankind has been striving continuously and improving upon the stability of ourselves and the stability of our race and the stability of our societies, right? We went from, uh, you know, hunter-gatherer to being able to make crops, to being able to make towns, to being able to make cities, to the Industrial Revolution. So now you've got things that are being able to be produced and, and manufactured for you easier, um, internet technology has made communication very, very standard. So our, our entire goal as a race and as a creature is to seek out stability. And it's ingrained in us because that's what we do, right? That, that's, the, that's the overarching theme of human development. So then the concept of individual change within our lives has to be scary 
because our own nature is trying to create the most stable environment possible and change is anything but stable. Yes, that is 100% true. I totally see that. One of the things I started doing uh, recently um, is uh, I've been trying to meditate daily and I do the 10 minute uh, guided meditations and they're, they're real easy. You can go on YouTube, you pull up, just type in 10 minute meditation, put your earphones on, just sit back and listen to them, close your eyes. And one of the things, um, and it was a guided meditation, I believe, on trying to evolve into your higher self. And one of the things the guy said is the brain does not like change. The brain is programmed to dislike change. And it was one of those things that I had never thought about it. And I just I had to stop the, the video, replay it. So I came totally out of my meditation, right? Because it's like this totally blew my mind what this guy was saying. But it's right. And it, it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, that about it's our human nature the brain itself you know it does not like it wants to stay in its routine and Mm -hmm. and that just totally blew me away and it wasn't long ago that i listened to that meditation and uh it's hard to wrap your mind around that but it's true well i think i figured out why that's the case you want to hear my theory i want to i think it was uh ingrained upon our dna to behave that way by our overlords the anunnaki (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> rebellious uh, slaves digging gold for them so you know do it their way yeah yeah don't have change just go over <laughs> here eat your mutton dig my gold oh my god Inunaki! <laughs> my goodness well you know what you you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because no matter which which way you decide to go for change it's going to not affect not only yourself, but those around you. And sometimes, you know, we're in a group of people that you're trying to change yourself for what you think is the better. And other people are going to get left behind. So they tell you that it's not better for anybody, including you. And you listen to them and you never get to move on. But then you have people that on the other side of that, you have people that are trying to get you out of whatever it is that you're in to help you improve, but you don't see it as an improvement. You see it as them trying to coax you into doing what they think is the right way to do it. So you fight it and you never get to change at all. So no matter which way you go, whatever whatever change you decide to do, changing is not cha- changing. Not changing is change. Uh, so think about that. Even if you don't change, you're changing. Yeah, yeah. One of the well, things you said about uh, letting go, uh, that's one of those things that it's, it's been a very difficult realization for me because I read a quote about as you try to reach up the ladder, you're going to have to let go of some things because you, you can't hold on to it and keep reaching up. You know, you, you don't have enough hands. You only got two hands. So all that stuff that's holding you down here where you don't want to be, you're going to have to let go of it. And, and we don't want to because, once again, we're comfortable with that stuff. It's an environment we're familiar with. Even though we're so desperate to get away from it, if you want to reach up those rungs and start climbing, you've got to let go of things. You can't carry everything up you know, as, as you're trying to uh, elevate yourself. And it, it's a very difficult and you know, sometimes sad situation because there are people who won't support you. You know, there, There's people mm-hmm. that – because they don't want to change themselves and they don't want to see you change because now you're not the, 
you know, the same person they always knew, you know, quote unquote. And uh, that's one of the things, too, uh, that that's kind of like a roadblock uh, for change. Say it. I'm I trying guess. to I, I can't I can't put it together. I can't put it together. I had an inkling of, of what I wanted to say there, but I, I can't put it together. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think you're you're spot on there. Um, and I think there's a lot of professional uh, sports athletes that probably need to take that advice uh, because they probably fare better after their contracts over and they're broken. Oh, but um, I've, I've been in situations like that. Anybody that's gone in a business from a standard worker B role to a managerial role deals with the, that, the, that exact kind of change you're talking about where people have an expectation of you. And then, you know, you're in a different role. You got to wear a different hat. Yes. Um, and I went through a similar type of change when I left Apple and went to HCA. I went to a completely, completely, even though it was IT, absolutely 100% different environment from what I was used to with Apple. I almost pretty much had to learn a new language in, in technology because I did not know uh, Windows at the time. I only knew Apple and uh, HCA only uses Windows. So it was that was a pretty scary change. And I'll say this, the two things – the two changes in life that I absolutely hate the most is moving and changing jobs. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are very hard. And in my life, almost every time I've had to move, I was changing jobs. So I got it. I, I got them both <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> oh man. But you know, All it's right. talk about uh, new year's resolutions and, and, and something that you feel you need to do. And, and there's some goal you want to go after it, we're so scared of that change. A lot of times we don't do it. We don't go after it, but I read an awesome quote and uh, he said, the price of regret, the price of the regret you're going to pay for not making your dreams or goals come true is going to be far greater than the price you were going to pay to make them come true. No, that's very true. You don't live with that regret. You don't want to live with knowing that I could have done something and I didn't even try. Uh, Go for it because you don't want to be with that regret. And you know, it might not have been as difficult as you thought, and you might be living the life that you, you wanted to live. Positive stuff. Positive stuff. Even if you go out there and you tried and you failed, you will have it in your pocket knowing that you did what you could to get out there and do it, as opposed to just sitting and wallowing in the what if. Yeah, but I mean, what constitutes failure? I mean, it, did you learn something? Did you come away? You're going to come away as a better person. That's to me, you know, that, that's not failure. I like that quote. Uh, uh, I don't lose. I just learn. You know, I either win or I learn. I never lose. Yeah, nice. absolutely. Yep. Who said that? I want to. That's a smart ah. guy. I, I was a coach and I would, now you ask me who said it. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but, uh, I love that quote. You know, I either I either win or I learn. I never lose. Yeah, unless unless you're the Houston Texans and you're uh, oh god, Reno, (laughs) woohoo! My goodness. All right, well that's (laughs) gonna wrap up tonight's show. Tom, how is it coming with the book? It's still coming. Uh, Like I said, I I also work on that little book that I'm trying to put together for my family and uh, about personal experiences and personal stories. And right now I'm in the middle of writing my own, uh, Christmas story. And I've gotten to, uh, uh, the part of the story with Hispanic kids are be very familiar with midnight mass. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That torturous event that that is. So I'm, I'm on that. It's, it's 
man, I'm having a good time writing it because it's bringing back all these memories and I can't wait to to share it with people. Oh my God. I went to midnight mass one time. I thought I was going to die. I thought <laughs> Jesus was going to strike me down for sleeping in the pew. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. So when I was little, uh, my grandmother would take us to midnight mass, but we would go to her, her comadre's house and her her friend's house and we would always get this brown paper bag filled with like oranges and peanuts and candies and stuff and you know we'd we'd hang out there and uh then we would head over to midnight mass and then go home it was it was crazy good old times we had to sit through midnight mass knowing that once it was over we'd get to go back to my grandma's and open our presents yeah yeah it still was we, you know, I grew up in a Hispanic family in a Hispanic part of town. Our midnight mass, it was a bilingual mass. Oh. So you had to sit through English. Oh. <laughs> it was a double dose of torture. I mean, it was, oh, oh my goodness. So, you know, we're just reliving that and, and, you know, retelling the whole thing. Oh, man, I'm, I'm actually having a really good time uh, writing it. That's Frank, good. Frank, are you working on anything right now? <laughs> You, are you building um, building a deck or uh, you know doing some kind of handy manny kind of thing? Uh, no, but I'm I'm waiting to buy this uh, set of shelves from my garage. I'm trying to reorganize my garage. Uh, I forgot who somebody from work was telling me that they're trying to do a uh, garage. Oh, I think it was uh, as David Dang. He was telling me he's trying to build a, a garage. Uh, uh, Jim in his garage and he wants to do some boxing stuff and i was like man i got a heavy bag in the garage if i could just move some stuff around i could get out there and and hit that thing because i used to get out there and just wail on it to let all my frustrations out and uh i need to get back on that that was fun that's right well you guys want to know what i'm working on sure being awesome all the time baby <laughs> All right. Well, for those of y'all that have made it this far, please take the time, shoot us some comments, give us some likes, uh, tell us that you don't like us, tell us that you want Shane to be quiet, um, you know, something like that. Uh, That's fair. You'd like let us, us talk about. Yeah, yeah. What else? Give us some other topics you'd like to listen. Uh, you know, tell us about your your driving habits, what you're listening to. Any other podcasts maybe we should listen to so we can get better. Um, anything's helpful. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And hopefully you'll hear us next time. Boop, boop. Good night. It's it's soft and hard in a in an instant. We don't That's know she how said. to go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how to go. Becoming an adonatologist is free. But membership into the faith is not cheap. An annual membership will run you $250 per person, or you can choose the bargain of a lifetime membership for $3,000.